Hello and welcome to Sound of the Moment. I'm your host, Pat Cleaver, and this is the bi-weekly show featuring conversations with musicians about jazz, music, and more. New episodes are released every second Monday, and if you would like to just get those episodes downloaded automatically to your device as soon as they are released, the best way to do that is just to go and subscribe to the show either in iTunes or Podbean, Stitcher, wherever it is that you like to get podcasts. For more information and detailed show notes as well as links, you can go to soundofthemoment.com. And if you like this show, if you like what you hear and you like what I'm doing here, then there are a few ways that you could uh, do me a favor and support me. Um, The first of which is to help spread the word. So you can do that either by going to the iTunes store, for example, and leaving a favorable rating or review. Uh, That really does help the algorithms work in the show's favor and hopefully exposes more people to the show. Um, You can also tell a friend. Word of mouth is obviously um, a fairly straightforward way to go with that. And finally, if you uh, would like to do even an extra bit more and donate to the show, um, it is possible to do so via my Patreon campaign. So that is patreon.com slash sound of the moment. Um, and there you can donate any amount of money um, that you wish. That can be $1, $2, uh, however much you are comfortable with. And donations are made on a monthly basis. So, yeah, patreon.com slash sound of the moment is where you can do that. And I would be incredibly grateful if you would consider doing so. You can reach me as always uh, via Twitter at Pat Cleaver and also via the Sound of the Moment page on Facebook if you've got any questions, comments, uh, whatever. Okay, this is episode number 18 for 18th of June 2018, and that is a lot of 18s. My guest on this show is the saxophonist, composer, and band leader Marika van Dijk. She has recently released a new record with her large ensemble, The Stereography Project, on which she collaborated with two singer-songwriters, Jeff Taylor and Ketel Koenig. So I am going to play you a song that features Jeff Taylor to begin this show, and this one is entitled Paper Thin. Breaking up 
tried to be your friend, you were not ready. You said neither am I. Ooh, but when I saw you out the other night, I could have jumped your bones. I remembered all the stones. I hugged through your paper-thin windows Then I, I think we did the right thing I think we did the right thing, yeah I think we did the right thing In breaking up At night, I cannot bear a mask over my eyes, but you're still there. Looking at some new man the way you used to look at me before I lost your love, before I lost your love. I think we did the right thing I think we did the right thing, yeah, yeah I think we did the right thing I think we did the right thing Mike van Dijk, uh, saxophonist, composer, arranger, is my guest today. You just heard music from her new record with her stereography project. Uh, Maika, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Cool. Um, I always like to ask my guests if they could um, introduce themselves a bit first, because I can't expect everybody listening to be familiar with your work and stuff. So a bit on your background and who you are, what you do and right. stuff. Right. Um, yeah, so I'm a saxophone player um, that I, I started out playing saxophone and studying saxophone. And I went to, I studied in Rotterdam and later in Amsterdam at the conservatory. And um, during my my studies, I started composing more uh, than, and at some point, the uh, balance sort of flipped over to me doing more writing than than saxophone playing mm -hmm. and that I think that happened more or less when I uh, did a second master's in, in New York I did that in 2011 I moved to New York um, yeah. I was at NYU and, and I started writing more and uh, then decided to sort of take that route more than uh, only focusing on saxophone 
And uh, I, ha- I took this class at NYU that was um, large ensemble com- composition. Yeah. And um, that's sort of how this uh, this band started out because the the teacher asked us to write something for, I think it was six winds and uh, string quartet and rhythm section, something mm-hmm. like that. A slightly different version of, of what I have now. Yeah. And uh, so I wrote something for that and I really enjoyed writing I mean it's also a pain in the ass but it's because it's so many voices yeah but um, um, I, re- I just really liked it when it like was played I was like oh this is cool and then mm-hmm. um, then I wrote a couple more things I took some some more composition classes with Gil Goldstein and with uh, Alan Ferber yeah. and um and I continued writing and, and did some uh, reading sessions. And then at the end of my studies in 2013, I did a final concert and I did it with this band, basically. So, um, or mostly, it was one or two trio pieces, but it was mostly just the stuff that I wrote over those last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, the band was slightly odd. I mean, some some people that were in there are still in there now because there were some Dutch people in there as well. Like yeah. uh, uh, Mark was playing drums at the time and he, and now I have a Dutch version of this band too and he yeah. plays uh, in the Dutch yeah, version. Yeah, Mark Schilders. Uh, Mark Schilders, yeah. So, um, so I, uh, so that's sort of the story of how it started and I, I released my, uh, or when I when I then finished the the my studies and did the concert, I was like, okay, I might as well make a record out of it, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> so I I had to write a couple more tunes and and take some tunes out of, as well. But I think I yeah I recorded the record in April two thousand fourteen, I think, and then released it in February. 2015. That was the first stereography record that I, that I did. That was uh, seven instrumentals and one uh, with vocals. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a Beatles arrangement of uh, She's Leaving Home. Yeah. And a friend of mine, Ruben Salmama, who's a great double bass player yeah. from here, from the Amsterdam, uh, sang uh, on that. Yeah. Yeah, I saw he's been doing a bunch of singer-songwriter things, like yeah. just in hotel rooms recording himself as he's yeah. Yeah. touring all over the place. It's quite cool. Exactly. So, um, and uh, after all of that, I was um, I, I was like, okay, what next? Like, I released my record, and then mm-hmm. I was like, what next? And I didn't see any of my... At that time, I was still living in New York, and... I I got a little bit tired of the city, so at that point I decided to move back to Amsterdam, and yeah. uh, and uh, then the Dutch uh, people decided to give me a new markers grant, mm-hmm. so I could make another project. Yeah. And I was at that time I was like, oh no, I really can never ever ever do a large ensemble <laughs> record again. <laughs> And then they gave me the grant. I was like, okay, fine, I'll yeah. do another one. Yeah. So that's sort of what happened with the whole thing. That's from A to Z. And I grew up in Friesland. That's important to say. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> in like, in like uh, 
uh, orchestral culture, you know, like they have yeah. bands and marching bands in every tiny village over there. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's but part sort of, of the yeah. culture of uh, of already being exposed to. Um, yeah, I guess in in a way, um, when you when I look back, it's like okay, this makes sense that mm-hmm. I'm in in large ensemble or that I do stuff with large ensembles now, because I've been playing in uh, orchestras and big bands my whole life. Uh, yeah, so it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and so um, this is something I've had a couple of people on on the show who who make like big band um, large ensemble things, and I'm always interested in like the. And this is obviously the boring side of things, but like, how do you get like, how many like opportunities are there to perform this music? Well, um, not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> no. And more like, I, I guess, what what does that look like? Like, how do you how do you get this music out there to to? Yeah. Um, I I mean, I have to be honest. For this first the first stereography re- record, I um, I didn't really make it to perform it mm-hmm. it was more of like me being like i really want to make this piece of art or whatever it is yeah. for uh for me or for the world i just wanted to be there and if we perform it once i'm totally cool with it yeah. i just want to make this thing yeah. um, so that was the urge for but that's that's really interesting to me because it for so many people nowadays i feel like in specifically in the jazz world a, a recording is basically just an expensive business card to say, yeah. hey, can you book my band? And people will typically say, well, we'll only book you for a gig if it's some kind of some kind of album behind it and stuff. Right. Um, and it seems like that that is something that's been lost a bit, maybe. The idea of like, I'm just going to create a, a thing, you know, and make a physical thing out of exactly. my work yeah. so i guess that's something that's important to you yeah i mean it never uh that that uh record was never conceived for from with the idea of doing gigs with it it mm. was i made it because i really wanted to make it yeah i wanted to write that music and once you write it you i mean then it sort of feels like okay but i i should yeah. perform it or record it you know and 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 recording it was the um was the most practical also because it also helps me writing um if if i know like some we're gonna record this or we're gonna play this at a certain date mm-hmm. i have to have it done so this also sort of sets bound it's my way of setting <laughs> my own boundaries so that i don't get lost in the yeah uh choices that you make during those compositions yeah and um so i suppose another thing i want to touch on is like the people that that actually like play the music with you it seems like it's in like large ensemble music it's easy to kind of lose the idea of like individuals and stuff but it, it seems like that's something that's really important to you that you pick musicians that each have an individual voice and yeah. that um, and like hopefully being able to showcase that somehow. So like, do you want to talk maybe a bit about some of the people in general and yeah, and that I mean, for for me, it's uh, I mean, it'll start sounding super hippie and uh, stuff, but uh, I mean, it, to me, it's just all these people who have different energies and putting them together and making something together is 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 a, a really magical thing for me and and. Um, 
Yeah, and and the I really like strong characters, and uh, I know what sort of what musical personality everybody brings to the band, and I really like that. You know, like mm -hmm. I, I, uh, I even keep that in mind a little bit when I'm writing. Not so, not not like. Ellington, who would write a solo piece just for his alto or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's not as, uh, as specific as that, but it's mm -hmm. more like uh, like a general vibe or something that I I do keep in mind. And it's also about putting the putting the right people. I don't want to say right, but putting a, a good bunch of people together. Like some of them will kick your ass a little bit, <laughs> and some yeah. will like be super nice and supportive and some will there's always one or two assholes also you know <laughs> like it's always sort of like a mix of um of people that uh, yeah i i really like th that whole thing where you get uh it's a musical thing it's an energy thing it's a, a group thing um um and it, like if it's if it works and and people are in general yeah They usually all like to be there, otherwise they wouldn't be there, you know. Yeah. And uh, and I can also see that some of the people who met through through me putting them together or something, mm -hmm. they started a trio. Like Manuel, the piano player, yeah. started uh, played a trio with Mark Schilders and, and um, Rick Rosado for a little mm -hmm. bit and. Yeah. Uh, And other like I I I love it when the, those things happen that people yeah. meet through that and and like yeah and it's just a really nice uh, thing and other than, I mean of course I do want to play with people who have something to add to the music something personal especially in this new record because I left a lot of space open for. I, l I wrote down a lot of letters, <laughs> so a lot of okay. just, uh, just chords yeah. um, with open sections and uh, for uh, people to just really improvise. I mean, descriptions like long, soft notes or whatever, but yeah, still, okay. like, yeah. it's it left a lot of space for the musicians uh, because the album before that was a little bit, uh, was very written, mm -hmm. and very composed and... Uh, But still, there were there were more individual solos on that record, and this one has more, yeah. like uh, collective improvising collective. And stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, how do you um, this new record you made half in New York and half in Amsterdam, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and with two different ensembles. Like, how mm -hmm. how does the how do the different ensembles like change the music? Like, how is that? Uh, yeah, it's a it's such a different band. Uh, <laughs> the one in uh, New York and the one in in Amsterdam, just because, yeah, the, I mean, they don't sound the same at all. It's mm. so funny uh, and cool also. Yeah. Um, they have, it's a very different energy also between the people. And uh, um, how does it change? I don't know. It's just a bunch of musical personalities together that make it different. But, I mean, in, in general, I guess... Everybody sort of tunes into what I'm trying to say or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know how that works, but um, I guess in yeah, in the end, 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, in the end, it's still my arrangements that yeah, sure. that people play. But yeah. yeah. No, there's no specific thing you can put your finger on that no. like the Amsterdam band sounds like this. I mean, it's well, it, no, no, not really. I mean, the usually the the New York band is is sometimes a, a little bit more ballsy sometimes, but also not. You mm-hmm. know, like it's uh, yeah. Um, but then also the Amsterdam band is also uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's even more ballsy. It's just, uh, yeah, they're both, uh, they have different vibes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, we, we should probably talk specifically about the record. Um, the new record features two singer-songwriters. Yeah. Um, and, um, well, first of all, maybe you can talk about each of them individually and, and what, like, what was it about working with singers that, that was um, was interesting to you, I suppose? Um well, it started with with that uh, first stereography album where I made uh, one arrangement for uh, of the Beatles song, and I yeah. was like, "Cool, I really want to do more of that." Mm-hmm. And then uh, another thing is that uh, at that time in in New York, I was only hanging out at at Rockwood Music Hall, that's yeah. a really famous music venue there, and it oh, they have a lot of singer songwriters there, yeah. like three three rooms with singer-songwriters all night. Mm-hmm. Uh, some incredible ones and some uh, not super incredible, but okay, mm-hmm. you know? Like, yeah. it's it's very different, but a very good sound. Uh, yeah. That's one of the things that always, uh, yeah. So there's a lot of, and, and you meet a lot of people, and, and I just found myself hanging out there a lot more than hanging out at jazz concerts because I, mm. it feels like, at, at, I mean, when I was at NYU in those two years, I probably saw all the concerts <laughs> <laughs> because I went to concerts two or three times a week or something yeah. in, in Brooklyn and in, in in New York um, or in Manhattan in so mm-hmm. many I saw so many jazz concerts at some point I was like cool now I want to see some other things so yeah. I found myself in these singer-songwriter places and I was like cool why don't I do something with that then I mean that seems to make sense for me right now mm-hmm. so um, I'd seen Jeff Taylor play before uh, I think probably once or twice with uh, Mark Giuliano with beat music and then yeah. him, him his own stuff as well. And um, Ruben Samma at the time still lived in New York when, mm. when I met Jeff as well. And when we started this project, I was talking to uh, Ruben because I wanted him to produce the album because okay. he's a great uh, pop producer now yeah, as yeah. well. <laughs> and... Um, and he knew Jeff, of course, and and then uh, and that's how I ended up with Jeff. Mm. He was like, "Why don't you do something with Jeff?" And I was like, "Oh, that's a really good idea." <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, I I listened to his music a lot, but I was just afraid to ask him, you know. So and then Ruben was like, "Well, why not?" You yeah. know, like, "Okay, just do it." So uh, that was was uh, about Jeff, and I, I mean, I just think he is a really beautiful voice and uh yeah definitely and uh i mean yeah and his improvising that's not on the record but that's insane when he starts playing with only drums or something Mm. 
His his rhythm is incredible. He it's really like he does stuff with his voice. Like it sounds like he uses effects on his voice, but <clears throat> you know he's just there with the mic. Yeah. Um, yeah so he's just a really great uh, vocalist, and um, so that's the whole story of of Jeff. And then Cattell is uh, I also met her through Ruben because mm-hmm. Ruben is a good. F- friend or also fan of her and and we decided to uh, work with her after i heard her record and uh that's how it started sort of well it started with jeff and um uh i wrote some arrangements of some of his songs i was like sent him an email like hey uh would you want to do this thing? <laughs> Would you want to sing your songs with my band? I'll make yeah. arrangements. Yeah. And then we just, uh, uh, I arranged it so that I came to New York and we did a rehearsal with him just to try out. Mm. And I had booked a room and uh, uh, f- I probably for like two hours or something. <laughs> and then Jeff's like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna be late because he had no <laughs> idea who I was either. So yeah. we, we ended up only being able to play for like 15 minutes because he showed up oh, like okay. one and a half hours late. Yeah. But uh, but he was like, oh my god, I had no idea. Like <laughs> that. Uh, first of all, that there were so many people <laughs> waiting for me, and second of all, that uh, this is what's going. This is what you were doing. So. Yeah. After that, it was it changed a little bit, and um, yeah. So I I made arrangements, or I finished the arrangements, and then um, we did a rehearsal and a gig, and then we just went into the studio and recorded mm. the first half. Yeah. Just like okay, let's go, um, <laughs> and that was really incredibly scary to do it like like i really felt like oh my god i have no idea what i'm doing here i don't know this person either i love his music but i don't know like is he trusting me to do this and it was yeah it was scary yeah because i can imagine being like as a singer songwriter being quite protective of your music in that way it's something super personal that you're putting out there and then somebody says hey i wrote this stuff for an ensemble would you like to come yeah exactly um, that's also what i've i i I felt like oh but it's the the words that you made up that you're singing it's your music isn't it weird if someone (laughs) like takes it and like turns it into something else and is like you know what? I'm gonna reharm that part because yeah. that sounds cool. You know, and then you're like, "Whoa, wasn't that good enough?" You know, like it's yeah. it's just a lot of a uh, lot of doubts and mm. a lot of it was, uh, yeah, it was a scary process for me, but uh, but very cool. I mean, it was definitely super far out of my comfort zone. That's yeah. Uh, yeah. But he was like happy with what yeah. you brought to him and. Yeah. and- yeah, and he ended up being really proud, and uh, it made him come to Europe more. And then he started also playing with Donny McCaslin now. Yeah, yeah. And now they're uh, they they just recorded a record, and they're gonna release that. And that's yeah. so. And now he's suddenly tour- touring over the world. So I got him right at the yeah, right yeah, time. Yeah. And I think even even me asking him uh, was was right before uh, he did something with Donnie as well. So yeah. we sort of played into, I mean, at some point we did a gig in uh, in New York and uh, 
And Donnie and his whole family came out to listen. Mm. And uh, I was like, whoa, I'm a fan of your music. Are you just listening to my... <laughs> so that was crazy to me, but yeah. Um, yeah, but it sort of played into uh, each other in a sense. Mm. And I'm, I'm just happy that uh, I could show, like, show some Dutch people... Uh, what his music sounds like and how he's such a great singer and stuff. So, yeah, because it feels like there's that that thing, right? It's probably similar to the way the jazz world works. It's just that in the singer songwriter world, there's so many people that are just you know playing in indeed in Rockwood, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and that people should be paying more attention to, and that they're not necessarily getting that, yeah. Yeah. Um, especially across the ocean. You know, like it's easy to just stay in Brooklyn, I suppose. And uh, was that part of your like? I mean, yeah, it was it was sort of a uh, part of my idea was that I wanted to uh, bring some people over because uh, there's so many singers that are absurdly crazy good in New mm. York and they don't get out of the city at yeah. all. Um, and I, I guess, uh, yeah, I wanted to do something with that. And I had the opportunity through through this grant that I got. So. Yeah. So that's why I did it, sort of. And so, what was the what was the actual recording process like? Did you? Because I can imagine that, especially for them, probably they have a very different experience of what a studio session looks yeah. like. Yeah. Um, especially when you're dealing with a large ensemble, you basically have to track everything together because it's yeah. not really going to work. Yeah. You're not going to get I the know, sound. I know that otherwise. was that was at at first also like um, when we were. I mean, Ruben knows that. Uh, that in the pop world it doesn't work like that yeah. but I was like dude we have one day with the whole ensemble <laughs> this is just how it's going to be we yeah. have like two or three takes and that's it you know yeah. and, and that's all we can't uh, uh, but then of course there's always room for overdubs mm -hmm. for vocal overdubs and I don't think uh, Jeff actually did a lot of over overdubs, maybe one or two, sm mm. like small things, but it was mostly just live. And Cattell did. Um, um, I think at the studio, the recording day, she she uh, she didn't feel super happy with her own voice at the time. Mm -hmm. And she had the opportunity to uh, to track some vocals at at Ruben's place, so it was totally fine. And it then you can take some more time and like uh, yeah, really spend some more time with it. And uh, I think, but I think yeah, everybody's ended up being okay with what's on the record. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then. Um so it sounds like you didn't necessarily track it in a particularly pop like way, no. but then like the post production aspect of things, did you like go in with an idea of like treating it? No. Like you you basically just treat it as a acoustic ensemble. Um Well, you know what? I just gave it to Ruben. I was like, Cool, here you go. <laughs> Do something fun with it. Yeah. Because I, I, I trust his um his uh, taste and his aesthetics and uh, I was like what am I gonna like make uh, I mean he, he just basically made uh, made versions already and then we we listened to or, and then we worked on it for one day or something like mm. maybe two 
and he sent me two or three different versions like is this okay is this okay and then I would say something like no uh, um, okay vocals low a little bit and like uh, yeah. just uh, but um, yeah so so I don't know maybe I mean at some point we were listening to the to the the vinyl because we, I have a vinyl mm-hmm. and we were listening to it and he Ruben was like do you hear the flanger on the saxophone and I was like <laughs> did you put a flanger on my on me and he's like yeah don't you like it so I was like cool I, I would, would have never known yeah but that's sort of the stuff that he would uh, sort of treat, do you know yeah. so um just to I mean, I know that he just looks for a sort of like an Alice in Wonderland uh, magical sort of thing. And uh, I think that's how he treated the large ensemble. Um, I mean, as a whole, of course, but also what what should happen in relation to the voice. Like mm-hmm. does, if the voice had to really feel fall into it or if it was more of like voice plus uh, orchestration or... And I think... Jeff's side is more like that, and uh, that it's a lot of voice and then less orchestration. Yeah. And then Cattell's is more that she's in the ensemble, so mm-hmm. she's more, yeah. Yeah, that requires an enormous amount of trust to just give away yeah. all the stuff to Ruben and say, yeah. hey, just do a thing. Yeah, but I know him for a long time, and I really love his work, so I was really like, here you go, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I yeah, I completely trust him in yeah. that sense. So no, that that's good. Worked out. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I I am interested in how you how you picked the actual repertoire for the for the records because I imagine that they like they have got a quite a bigger body mm-hmm. of work, and mm-hmm. then you just come and did you just go through all of their stuff and pick stuff that you liked, or yeah. how did you? That's sort of how it went, and and also asked them if they had suggestions. Mm. But um, I mean, f- f- for me, it's it is important that um, we uh, that no that I feel something with the song, so mm. I have to have a personal connection, sort of, with the song. Um, otherwise, it's tricky for me to write around it or. I mean, it's not tricky for me to write around it because I can arrange uh, things. Of course, I can r- yeah, uh, like can write parts or whatever. I can mm-hmm. do that. But if it if it really has to like be a personal thing, or if it's uh, if I want to release it as something that's closer to me than just an arrangement, then I have to have an have to have a relationship to the song at least. Uh, so I picked a couple of songs that I really loved listening to and then mm. asked them what they thought. And uh, um, so that's how we yeah. decided. But so it's ba- it's based on like a feeling thing. There's not something specific about a singer songwriter's uh, like song that no. you think, OK, this musically like is something I can imagine. No. Um, OK. No, no, it was really uh, just a song. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, of course, I I did look for a little bit for diversity, but in the end, mm. it's you know, it's yeah. not, uh, it's not, yeah. I mean, in the end, you're just writing a 
bunch of arrangements, so you don't know what it's going to end up sounding like anyway. So Yeah. Yeah. And so how much um, this, I mean, for a, like, instrumentalist, this is always something that I find interesting to talk about, is, like, how much does the do the lyrics, like, influence what you end up doing? Is there, Is that probably part of the choosing process of this is a story that makes sense to me and then yeah. that translating that somehow um yeah uh yeah the, i mean yeah the lyrics are important of course um i don't know yeah on a personal level of course yeah. some some songs speak to you more than others and it's a lot of, it's probably 50-50, like 50% lyrics and melody yeah, and harmony. Sure. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but then is that something that you would consider, like have you yourself written any like actual songs with no. like whole text and things, or is that no. not something you're in? So I, I think maybe that's my next thing that I'm going to try, okay. <laughs> try <Yeah>. doing. <laughs> would be fun to try. I don't know if I would be very good at it, but yeah, yeah. Hmm. I did. I mean, I did one song for this record that I uh, used a. Um, I used a, a poem, mm-hmm. and then I said it to the yeah. large ensemble. So I wrote a melody, but that's that's as as much as I've done of that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, maybe a vaguer topic, but um, this idea of going from. Um, being a soloist, like obviously saxophone players have that thing, right? That you, you're going to be a soloist to yeah. being like a band leader and arranger. And you said you sort of moved away from being a soloist to being like, is that, is that something that's still true to you? Like, I wonder where that comes from. Is there a, like, um, obviously this, probably the scary word here is ego. Um, like how do you not, see yourself so much as a soloist or do you just choose to not put yourself forward that much um, as a soloist or is it something that comes back in other projects? I don't know. Yeah, I think I think it's... Um, um, I don't know. I, I think it, it's not so much about me not wanting to be a soloist at all because I really enjoy playing. Yeah, and, and to be uh, clear, you are a great soloist, so there's no... Like, <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um it's it's not really so it's it has nothing to do about me just being like okay I give up there are too many saxophone players so I've, <laughs> I have had this t- thought of course okay. many times it was like okay I'm an alto saxophone player what am I gonna do you know there's so many people playing the same instrument and so so many of them are great mm-hmm. um, and I do think there's uh, I I did think about this in the sense that like. Um, uh, I started thinking about the things that that I do really easily is uh, coming up with melodies and uh, that are catchy or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm good at coming up with melodies. Also, when I play, I think I'm a pretty melodic. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, improviser, and and I uh, found out that that's not the case for everybody. Yeah. So I was sort of at some point I was. Uh, thinking about my strong points and being like, okay, maybe I use them, and I don't only have to focus on the things that I that I can't do, 
or that I'm not as good at because I still want to play fast, but I don't, I don't do that very well <laughs> or I don't do it very often, you know. It's still, I mean, um, so the soloing does, yeah, I mean, um, I like the, the ensemble thing a lot too. Yeah. That's the thing. And, and I enjoy that. And I do have to say that now I'm sort of like, okay, I want to play some saxophone again because otherwise I'm just sitting behind a computer or a yeah. whatever, do, taking care of a band uh, because it's so many people. Yeah, yeah so, of course. So I'm looking forward to doing some more playing again and, and just um, maybe make a smaller project or something. And uh, mm. Yes, so yeah, definitely. I think it's also I've I've talked about this with uh, with Alan Ferber who's also playing on the record. He's mm-hmm. an amazing trombone player yeah. and arranger, composer. Really, uh, I'm a big fan of his work. And um, uh, I think he at some point also said uh, talked about this that like w- when are you. Uh, playing your instrument and when you are you working on composition and like it's, it's a delicate balance that you have to sort of maintain or yeah. try to maintain I mean for me now the balance is completely lost um, I mean I have to play some more saxophone again yeah. but yeah that's just uh, sort of I think it goes in waves mm-hmm. for me definitely yeah. and uh, I'm okay with that actually <laughs> it's fine I really enjoy composing just as much well Part of uh, when it's done, it's great. Yeah, um, that's the thing, right? I enjoy yeah. having written, not yes, necessarily writing. Exactly. <laughs> the writing for me means two weeks of agony behind a computer, uh, behind a piano, <laughs> d- doing computer games and looking at the piano and being like, "Am I ready? No, I'm not ready yet." <laughs> okay, okay, and then playing one chord. Okay, no, it's I can't do yeah. it yet. Like I'll I'll be I'll be scared to start because I'll always be like, "Ugh." I don't. I have no idea how I made the last record. I don't think I can do it anymore. Like, like every time I start writing, it's the same thing again. Like, how did I do that? I have no idea. Like, mm. but um, um, I, but I mean, I now I did so much writing that I'm starting to feel a little bit better about it, and I got really uh, fast at writing arrangements. So I also. Yeah. Wrote some arrangements for Cattell's new album, string arrangements, so that's really cool. And um, yeah, so I started getting quicker and Mm. just don't think and just go. And I guess that's the the thing. But so I take it you're not one of those people that... Like I compose a minimum of this many hours every morning when I get up, and that you know. Like, no. <laughs> no, no. I know some people do that. I don't really understand. I mean, it's how, it, it's amazing. I wish I could do that. I also don't have piano at home or okay, anything, yeah. so that makes a big difference. But uh, yeah, um, no, I wish I could do that. It would be nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, but also to uh, really honestly for me. Um, I usually uh, have to do a lot of exploring before something comes. Like, I'll just uh, find uh, one melody and play around it for a while, and then I have to leave it there and be like, okay, go out of the room, try something new. And Mm -hmm. then at some point I have a lot of ideas of something that, that I feel something with. 
And then I start playing around with them and turning them around, and then, yeah, that's, I think that's how it works usually. Yeah. But so you write from the piano, I take it? Yeah, yeah. I'm a terrible piano player, though. Like, really, really bad. I can only hold a chord with the with the sustain pedal. Oh, yeah. And I'm like... And I have to sing melodies, otherwise I can't, like... Uh, <laughs> I can't play them. And sometimes, well, the counter-melodies I always have to sort of do. But, uh, yeah. yeah. I have. I should get better at that. I haven't, yeah. Not yeah. yet. I don't know. I feel like, I mean, I'm the same. I'm terrible with the piano. I always feel like the limitations that I have as a piano player impose certain limitations on the way I write, which is probably helpful. Yeah. Uh, because if I could do everything, then I probably wouldn't do anything. Yeah. Um, I make, I also make a lot of mistakes and they end up being great. Oh, you yeah. Know? yeah. It's yeah, a yeah. lot of times like, oh, that's actually much better. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to play that, but that's much better. Yeah, yeah. that happens. Yeah. Cool. Um, and so, yeah, you you mentioned now, like, considering doing smaller ensemble things. I know that you you started a trio, was it last year? Yeah. Um, Leica into Orbit? Yeah. Um, is that something that's still happening, and, and do you want to talk about it a bit? I, I don't know. If, if that was actually sort of a, a one-time project for, 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 the, for that film, mm -hmm. I, uh, and I started it started it as a trio and thinking like okay we'll just do that thing and then see what happens with that yeah. we played the parade and that was a lot of fun mm. super hard work though parade. oh, yeah. oh my god <laughs> um but it was fun and and now it's sort of uh, i had this uh, a record release in between and now i'm slowly starting to think again like okay maybe we can do something with that or not i don't know maybe i'll yeah. start something different but it might end up being a one-time project, but who knows? Yeah. yeah it's really but so that was saxophone, um, cello, and piano. Yeah. And as far as I understand, it was um, centered around making music for a film. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that something that you've done more of or that you want to do more of, like working with visual? I mean, I, I uh, yeah, I would like to do a little bit more. I did a couple of things also, small things. I did a short for a for a friend of mine from New York, and I did a, a children's movie, a Frisian a children's movie. I oh, did yeah. the whole score for it, and that was a lot of fun to do as well. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the thing is just that that I miss a little bit of the skill set that's required for that, uh, just to uh, more uh, software, and, like engineering sort of, you mean thing. like making mock-ups and, and yeah that stuff kind of. like that yeah yeah I sort of uh, miss a little bit of that skill set I did start taking classes in sound design because I just okay. do I'm super interested in it but it'll take some time so maybe who knows hmm. you know in the in well, so actually like sound design as in sound synthesis or like yeah uh, also yeah okay. and also. Uh, recordings and field recordings and yeah. just doing like in the widest possible sense taking classes in like also um, electronic music history and stuff yeah. like that so um, yeah I started uh, checking that out a little bit because I'm interested in, in I mean I, I I wrote a thesis on the Amsterdam Conservatory about electronics on saxophone okay. which is sort of not a like 
I mean, I just, uh, that was my way of playing with that a little bit. Mm -hmm. and, and now I'm just do, looking at it in a wider sense also, like recordings and what you can do with like manipulating recordings and yeah. yeah. Cool. And so where, like what formal lessons, where are you doing that? Yeah, at, uh, uh, in, I, I worked at a, research project last year in Antwerp uh, yeah. at the conservatory on this Belgian saxophone player who died in the 70s called Jack Sells mm -hmm. and um, because of that research project uh, I was in Antwerp a lot and then I found out that they had uh, these classes they're called uh, what's it called um, arts education for adults or something, you know. Okay, so, yeah. so like, yeah, it's at the Academie van Schone Kunsten, so the, mm -hmm. the arts fine academy, arts, yeah, yeah, fine arts academy, and they have these classes for uh, adults. So, mm. like two two nights a week, uh, I uh, I take classes there. Ooh. I don't I don't like the last few uh, months. It's it's been a little on and off, also because a lot of um, because I have a lot of stuff going on, but um, yeah, throughout the, the fall, I, I, w I was there every week, and it was really cool to to learn about like um, yeah, we just got assignments like hey, make a mix of this or yeah. uh, make make a recording of this or uh, make a, a little sound uh, uh, portrait or, or you know so, yeah yeah cool. So yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I've I've been kind of dabbling around with that stuff myself as well. So it's very cool. Yeah. Um, I find it. Um, yeah, just like treating sound as like a, just a material somehow yeah. is like. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I, it's something that tends to be missing in, like, specifically in jazz music, I suppose. Mm -hmm. We yeah. have this whole idea of, like, you have to define your sound yeah. and that becomes a singular thing. Yeah. Whereas um, there is millions and millions of sounds that you can make yeah. and, like, how do you make them and what is it that, yeah. like, what is a sound, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's just interesting what other possibilities you can create with that as well. Like, what... Like you can create the whole universe basically out yeah. of like it's, it's something new that you can make and um, I mean I just also enjoy collaborating with different disciplines and and just finding a way out. I'm actually always finding a way out of jazz. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sort of how it feels <laughs> when I think about it. I mean it's it's always the basis that I that I work from. Yeah. Um, I guess it's for you. It's the same. No, absolutely. And uh, it's your it's your basis, and and it's your, uh, uh, well, you got all your knowledge from the like chords and how that works, and like uh, your ears are tuned and they're open, and 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 then you do stuff with it. You yeah, know, it's a lot of transferable skills that yeah, hopefully we totally. can transfer to. Um, uh, more diverse and maybe more lucrative places. Well, yeah, um, I mean that's a whole different conversation. Yeah, no, of course. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, cool. Um, is there like, is there any specific stuff uh, besides obviously this new record that's come out? But is there any specific stuff that we can expect from you in the near future? Um, you talk um, about doing small ensemble things and stuff. I don't know if. 
Yeah, I mean, we're playing a, a show at Von, Wonderfield Festival. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm going to be there as well someday. Uh, July 20th with this with this band, with okay. Kital Koenig, the, uh, the uh, Welsh singer-songwriter. Yeah. And Jeff might fly over as well, but I'm, oh. because he's he's going to be in Europe doing a thing with Maria Schneider or something. Okay, or yeah. <laughs> whatever, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, um, so that's the, the thing that I can think of right now. Not sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I, I just came back from New York um, uh, last week mm-hmm. where we did the release show for this record. Yeah. So I'm just really like, okay, I just landed back. Uh, cool. What's next? Yeah. That's, so I already, I mean, I sent out a couple of uh, applications already for grants and stuff, yeah. you know, for composing and, yeah. and, uh, and uh, yeah, I've just been dabbling with a lot of different ideas of what I want to work on now. And I think I want to do a smaller thing now. Mm-hmm. Maybe the next thing will be small and the one after that will be big again. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Seems uh, like a healthy thing to do. Cool. Yeah. I, I look forward to hearing whatever it is that you're going to make. Um, cool. So, yeah, as we reach the end of this conversation, I, I did warn you about this. I always like to ask my guests if there's something that they want to recommend um, that the listeners go and check out. So it can be anything that comes to mind. Um well, I, I was just saying that um, I was just listening. There are a couple of uh, things that I'm listening to a lot right now. And I just heard this um, record by Emma Frank, who's a singer from probably Montreal. She's can- Canadian. Mm-hmm. And uh, she just released a record, and uh, I really enjoyed listening to it. So okay. I think it's called Ocean Ave. She's, she's Brooklyn based as well, and she plays with uh, a couple of friends. She plays with Rick Rosado on bass, mm-hmm. and then I think Aaron Parks is on it, and and uh, Simon Millard, who's a, a trumpet player from mm-hmm. from Canada that I toured with the European Jazz Orchestra. Okay. Oddly, a Canadian yeah. <laughs> in the European jazz. So I was like really surprised to see him there. I was like, cool, oh, Simon's playing on there. Yeah. And uh, But it's a yeah, beautiful record, beautiful songs. Some very sad ones as well. Okay. <laughs> but, um, and what else? Oh, yeah, one of my favorite bands from New York is really Breast Fist. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, their new record is really fun too. Yeah. So, um What's it called? Dried fruit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Really fun music. Cool. Yeah. I've been evangelizing their music for years now. I mean, now. come on. Um, they have to play in Amsterdam, Yeah, right? absolutely. They should play everywhere. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. it's ridiculous <laughs> and great. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's really good. Cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, there'll be links to all of that stuff um, in the show notes so people cool. can go and find it. Cool. Um, yeah, Marika, thanks so much for being on the show. Yeah, um, thank you for having me. Yeah, hopefully we'll have you back whenever the next small or big thing uh, <laughs> comes up. Yeah, right, cool. Cool, thanks. Thanks. That was Marika van Dijk. I'll be playing more music from her in just a few moments. 
There will be links to her website in the show notes at soundofthemoment.com if you would like to find out more about her work and find her tour dates and, of course, purchase her music, um, which I highly recommend you do because, yeah, it's quite a beautiful album that she's just released. I would like to thank my fellow members of Catrio for providing the intro and outro music that you can hear right now. The show uh, has a Patreon page that is open for donations. So if you enjoy what I've been doing here and would like me to keep doing so for the foreseeable future, uh, the best way to ensure that is to support the show via Patreon. So patreon.com slash sound of the moment is where you need to go uh, to make donations to the show and help me to keep it up and running. If you have any feedback, and please do reach out to me. Uh, that is easily done via Twitter at Packlever or via the Sound of the Moment page on Facebook. And you can also email me directly at pat at soundofthemoment.com. Please subscribe to this show, add it to your RSS feeds, however you like to do that. Uh, please tell a friend if you know anybody who'd be interested in listening. All of those things are really helpful and... I am always very grateful when people do so. We have reached the end of another episode, and I would like to close this one with another song from Mike van Dyke's stereography project. This one features Ketel Koenig, and it's called There You Go. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Sound of the Moment. Swinging down the boulevard A miracle is what you are mm. All night I've been watching you breathe And it's hard to conceive of anything Making me feel gladder Take
A free man 